We're going to continue this series, Why? And if you'd like a subtitle, because you know I always have one, you can write this down if you're taking notes. You've heard me say this, but if you want to get into heaven, you got to take notes. It's a joke. You can write this down. The, the subtitle is, is Hammer the Stake. Hammer the Stake. Not S-T-E-A-K. We're going to eat that steak. Somebody asked me the other day if my son was a vegetarian because he wasn't eating his protein at school. I said, no, he's not a vegetarian. He will eat steak in the name of Jesus. Not that there's anything wrong with being a vegetarian. Hammer the steak. If you don't like that title, I have another one for you, and then, and then that's it. You can write this down. Do your job. Turn to your neighbor. Hopefully it's not your spouse and say, hey, do your job. We're going to read some Bible And then we're going to pray Psalm 57 We're going to read out of Psalm 57 And then we're going to read out of Psalm 141 And then we're going to take a look at, he, take, take a look at Hebrews Psalm 57, Psalm 141 b- Both of which David is essentially in trouble And these are both prayers uh, David praying and worshiping God, I'm in trouble, help me So that is within the context of what we read these verses is David is in trouble and he's crying out to God, God help me. One of the situations we're going to look at, David is on the run in the wilderness. We could assume that one of his, uh, the context of the verse, we could assume, we know this happened, but this may be the context of this verse in particular, that one of his sons is trying to overthrow uh, David's kingdom. That's some family drama. Anybody thankful that you're not the only one that has family drama? Psalm 57, David says this, my heart is steadfast, oh God, my heart is steadfast. I get the sense that David is is, is preaching to himself. I will sing and make melody. David was one of the greatest musicians and worship leaders of all time. And then David says this interesting statement, a statement that I was uh, reminded of recently. David says this, awake my glory. That's interesting. David didn't say, awake God, your glory. David says, awake my, David is speaking to himself. Hey, hey, glory within me, wake, wake up. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the, to the clouds. Now, I know we're in, in church, but is anybody thankful for the steadfast love of Jesus? Is anybody thankful for the faithfulness of God The faithfulness of God, David is is saying to the clouds, he's just trying to help remind himself and remind us God's faithfulness is never ending. Is anybody thankful that God's faithfulness is never ending? That as I give my life to him, as I follow Jesus and as I'm transformed by following Jesus, even though I will mess up again and again and again, God is faithful to meet me where I am. God is faithful to continue loving me. God is faithful to forgive me. Is anybody thankful in church today for the faithfulness of God? God is faithful, and I'm not, and I'm thankful that he's faithful. Psalm 141, oh Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. 
Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Now we can read that verse, give ear to me, God, as I call to you. We can read that and just overlook it. But when we understand that David is running for his life, God, hear my cry. You ever been there where you're not sure if you're going to make it another day? God, please hear my voice. I call to you. Verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. David is referring to the tabernacle. David was familiar with, with the tabernacle, and he is away from the tabernacle. He's away from church. He's away from the presence of God, and he longs to be in the presence of God. David wants to pray. David wants to worship. David wants to be in the presence of God. And then he says this, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. We know that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And in the New Testament, in the context of Followers of Jesus today, we still get to make sacrifices to God. We make them through Jesus and for Jesus. This Christian life is a life of sacrifice. We offer our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice. Can I get an amen? And then Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look in chapter 13. The context of Hebrews is, is the writer is encouraging a church that is at times scattered and is struggling and is facing severe persecution. They're trying to figure out how to live this Christian life, how to be the church. They don't always have, they don't always have a place to meet, a place to pray, a place to, place to gather the, together, a place to worship. That They are struggling. They are being persecuted. And, and verse 28, it, it says this, therefore, or chapter 12, verse 28, therefore let us be grateful. I don't always want to hear that when, when life is hard. For receiving a kingdom. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This church is being reminded, even though the world around you is being shaken, be thankful that we are part of the kingdom of heaven that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Did you know that there is acceptable worship before God and there is worship that God doesn't accept? Offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all. The writer in Hebrews gives us some insight into how to worship God. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And I'm thankful for, for the grace of Jesus because I can experience the consuming fire of God in a way that's good. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says this, through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God it's through Jesus, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Why don't we pray? Jesus, we thank you for who you are, Holy Spirit of God. I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you are aware of every human heart that's in this room, everybody watching online. God, our world is... Is, is in trouble and we need you we thank you that it seems at times that the world around us is shaken but we thank you that we are part of the kingdom of heaven that cannot be shaken and we thank you that we are your church God we even pray right now for what's going on in Israel God these wars that are breaking out and we pray specifically for your church in the midst of this there are Christians in the midst of this. There are innocent people and lives. We pray for them. 
we continue to pray for them. God, I pray for your word today. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Help me to speak your word today. I need you. I need your grace, your power, your authority, your anointing, your oil. God, I remind myself that I am nothing without you. God, I thank you that my little brother is in town and we're going to play golf this week. I just pray that you'd help me beat him in golf this week. And everybody said. Everybody said. Sam Kelly's in town with his wife, Laurie. They're amazing kids. Let's give them a hand. Initially, I, I had plans. I, I wanted to preach today, and I wanted to answer a, a different question. I wanted to answer, but why the church? That's what I wanted to answer. I, I wanted to answer the question, why the church? Why can't I be a Christian and, and not bother and deal with the church? I, I wanted to remind us that there is nowhere in my Bible that gives me license, that, that it gives me authority to live as a Christian without being a part of and without building the local church. I wanted to remind us that Jesus is the head of the church, that the church is his bride. So if I proclaim Jesus, then I also proclaim his church. I wanted to remind us that the Bible says Jesus is building his church. That's good news. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell cannot, shall not, will not prevail against it. I wanted... I wanted to, re to remind us what an honor and privilege it is that Jesus would invite you and me, that he would include us to be a part of his family, to be a part of his church. He would use us to build his, his church. And in doing so, that creates tension and implication and imperfection because we are involved. And also because church people are crazy. I wanted to remind us that church didn't hurt you, a person did. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I wanted to remind us that as we live out this ministry of reconciliation, the world begins to see a church that it can recognize as Jesus intended. Because of how we love each other, because of how we forgive each other, because of how we grow with one another. I wanted to remind us that we are not just invited to attend church. And this is an issue in our Western context. We have grown comfortable within Christian culture. We, we are not just invited to attend church, but we are invited to be the church. We have a new identity. We are new creations, and we are a part of a royal priesthood. Did you know that? Did you know that you are a priest? We don't just come to church as consumers anymore, but we come to church as priests. What do priests do? They minister to the Lord and then to others. And so church changes when, when I begin to understand that I, I don't just come to consume and receive, but I, I come to church as a priest. And so now I'm not just here for me, but I am here to minister, which leads me to an important question that I wanted to preach, that I wanted to ask today is why do you come to church? Why do we come to church? Well, if I'm a priest, I come to church to serve. And I come to, ch to church to minister to the Lord. And I come to church to minister to others. And I come to church to give. Here's another question. When was the last time that you ministered to someone? Talking to Christians today, 
If you're not a Christian, I got really good news for you. And you're going to hear about it throughout this message. Jesus loves you. I wonder when was the last time, Wave Church, that you ministered to somebody in here, in your community group? Friends, we need each other. I need your presence in God's house. You need my presence in God's house. I need you to add your faith in God's house. You need me to add my faith in God's house. I need you to encourage somebody in God's house. You need me to encourage somebody in God's house. I need you and you need me. We need each other. I wanted to remind us if this is all true, then the devil is doing everything he can to keep you from the one thing that he cannot prevail against, and it is the church. And make no mistake, he will use anything and anybody to keep you from it. Because he knows if you are isolated from the church, you are a less effective Christian and you are much easier to devour. And some of us, we make it way too easy. I've been there. You ever watch the Animal Planet? Just me? Love going to zoos and aquariums. I remember watching one of the shows, and it was about lions. And they're hunting animals. In this particular episode, they were hunting gazelles. And it was interesting to me that the lions would chase this group of gazelles until they got tired. And until one got tired enough to think, if I go on my own, and that is the gazelle that the lions devour. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion prowling, seeking who he may devour. And too often I find myself and we find ourselves like a isolated Christian gazelle. Friends, don't be a gazelle. Don't isolate yourself. The devil is looking for isolated Christians. That's what I wanted to preach today. I didn't preach it. I just read it. (laughs) But I believe there's something that the Holy Spirit wanted me to highlight today. I want to answer another why question because I have observed something in Christian culture. And I don't like using that phrase because in, in our context... I think some of us have become more attached to Christian culture than we are God and his church. And we enjoy the the benefits of Christian culture rather than really Jesus and his church. I've observed something about Christian culture. I've observed something about church in, in our context. I was reminded about this recently. And I would like to suggest to you and I today that we have forgotten Maybe at times, but we have forgotten the primary function of the church. We have forgotten the first job of the church. My first job, my first real job, my first job was a a barista, and that is a real job, but in the way that I made coffee, it was not a real job. (laughs) My first real job was in (laughs) construction. And uh, I did it for about a year. I say about a year because it was not a full year. And specifically, I did, I did concrete. It was for an amazing company, a great company. 
I learned a lot working for that company. I learned a lot from the owner and boss of that company, one of the hardest working men I've, I've, ever, I've ever met. And if you've ever been to the Taco Bell at Town Center, you know what I'm talking about? You're welcome. <laughs> these two hands. There was like 50 other people there, but these two hands <laughs> built that Taco Bell. It's my claim to fame. One of the things I did not enjoy about my first job is in, in concrete is that you had to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day, sometimes 4 a.m. That is an ungodly hour. After I stopped working for this company, I didn't, know, I didn't have to wake up at 5 a.m. anymore. I would still set my alarm at 5 a.m. after working there. I didn't have to wake up at 5 a.m. anymore, but I still set my alarm at 5 a.m. You can ask any of my friends so that I could, I could wake up and have a moment and realization I get to go back to sleep. <laughs> now I stopped doing that when I got married because I'm not an idiot. There's one job in particular, I remember this was like the first month or two working in this company. I'm still getting used to doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm still a little nervous and, 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 and this day in particular, was, it was a hot summer day, it was the end of the day. And, and, and the, the boss, the owner came to meet us and, 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 and he means business. We get work done. There is no wasted time. And there was this last foundation that we wanted to, to finish and the concrete truck was on the way. And in, in the concrete industry, we call that mud, but you only know that if you poured concrete. And so the mud is on the way and, and, and we're digging this foundation and, 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 and there's an individual in the excavator and then there's an individual in front of him who's digging out the extra dirt and then there's me. And my job was to follow along in the foundation and hammer the stake into the ground and that had a little laser and I had to wait till it beeped because it had to be the right height because the concrete truck with the mud was on the way. They're going to fill it behind us and fill it behind me. And I had to make sure that I kept up with the excavator so that the concrete didn't catch up to me and we needed to get this job done. So we're, we're in a rush, but they know what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to do what I'm doing. And I'm nervous and I'm trying to keep up. Now in the Kelly household, we didn't grow up with hammers. If you haven't noticed, we can't really build anything other than the church. And so I look like an idiot trying to use this hammer, but you, it, you, you have to hammer it hard into the ground. I mean, we're digging into the ground, and so I, I'm having to use force to hammer this stake in, in the ground, and I, and I am trying to make sure I hit the stake because I don't want to miss and hit my hand, and, 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 and I'm trying to keep up, and, and I'll, I'll never forget that there was this one stake, and I, I hammered as hard as I could, and I missed the stake. And I didn't hit my hand. But somehow, that hammer made direct contact with my kneecap. I thought I got struck by lightning. <laughs> and you, you know like when you hurt yourself and before like your brain says the, the pain signals, like you just become hot and you instantly want to throw up. And there's one rule in the concrete brotherhood is you don't cry on the job site. So I'm wearing sunglasses, I'm trying to hide my tears from my fellow brothers and I am, I am hurting, trying to gather myself and, and the, the excavator is moving along and they finally realize that I am falling behind and they yell out, Josh, what are you doing? And all I could yell back was, I missed. <laughs> they started yelling, Josh, you gotta do your job. 
You have to hammer the stake. Josh, if you don't do your job, then we can't pour the foundation and then they can't build the house. And I think there is a problem in, in, in church culture today where we are trying to be the church and we're trying to build the church without first hammering the stake, without first doing our job. And God is looking at his church. He's looking at our church saying, guys, I need you to do your job. I need you to do this first because if you don't do this first and everything else I've called you to do as my church doesn't work the way that it's supposed to could it be that we have forgotten our primary function as the church our first job if I were to ask you today what is our primary function what is our first job you might say well our first job is to reach people we got to make sure we, re we, we reach people. That's, that's true. We, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We have to reach people. Say, well, we, yeah, we got to reach people, but then we got to disciple people. We, the church is all about discipling people. We got to make sure we're not just a shallow church, but we're a deep church. That's also true. We need to reach people and we need to disciple people. You say, well, yeah, but we need to be in the community. We got to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that is, that is true. We need to be involved in Wave City Care and we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to be in our community as followers of Jesus. All of these things are true. All of them are vital. All of them are a call of the church of Jesus Christ. But it is not our first job. What is our first job? It, it is, it's to worship. Our primary function, our first job is, is to worship. Worship what? Worship God. The truth is we are all worshiping something. I love what Gabe Finocchio says. He says, I can be healed by worshiping Jesus or sickened by worshiping the world. What is worship? Old Testament scholar Daniel Block says this. I like this definition. Reverential human acts of submission and homage before the divine sovereign in response to his gracious revelation of himself and in accord with his will. The Westminster Catechism reads, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. My purpose as a human is to be loved by God and love him back. Here is today's, here is today's why. Why do we worship? Why do we worship church? Because he is worthy. Why do we worship? Why is it the very first thing we do when we come to church? Why do we worship? Because he is worthy. And King Jesus, he loves, he loves me and he did everything. He did everything. And giving of himself so that I could experience his love. Why do we worship? Because Jesus loves me. And here's, here's the amazing part, is that God doesn't force me to love him back, but he gives me the ability to choose to receive his love and the ability to choose to love him back. Can I get an amen?
Well, how do we worship? How do we worship? And before I get an email from a Bible college student that's getting their degree on TikTok, (laughs) yes, worship is a lifestyle. The weight of my worship in here is reflected of the life that I live out there following Jesus. But I want to be more specific today. How do we worship? The Bible says where two or more two or more are gathered in his name, there he is also. We know God is here. But why is it that two people in the same church service, and I've been both of these people, can be worshiping in God's house, and one person can experience and encounter and feel the tangible, real presence of God, and somebody else not? I would suggest... We don't know what it really is to worship. How do we worship? Well, thankfully, there's order. God gives us instruction. He reveals in his word his preferences and the order of how we worship. I remember when we first came over to what we know as Wave Church, and I was just eight years old, and and worship was a little different than it is now. Some of y'all remember. In my little eight-year-old mind, I just remember there are 37 flags being waved in the front. At first, I thought it was the Holy Spirit rushing wind, and then I realized just a flag almost hit me in the face. People are sprinting around the auditorium. I remember asking my mom, I said, can I bring my running shoes next week? I didn't know there was a race. I'm so much faster than he is. People thought Sunday was the audition for worship. They'd bring their instruments, their tambourine and their shofar. So no, today's not the audition. That's on Thursday. You could submit your gift to our worship team. Anybody love our worship team that uses their gift? God gives us instruction, and he has preferences that he reveals in Scripture how we worship. Number one, how do we worship? The writer in Hebrews instructs us, we read it earlier, how do we worship in reverence and awe? How do we worship in reverence and in awe? Wow. God. You are so holy, and you are so perfect, and yet you love me, and you made a way where there was no way, there's nothing that I could have done to earn it, and yet you gave your son Jesus that saved me, that rescued me, and you, you offer your love to me, and I get to love you back. I get to be made whole in your presence. Wow. Jesus, that you you love me. I am in awe. I am in wonder that I get to worship. I get to confidently approach the throne of heaven. Wow. And that is one of the reasons why I make sure. You say, well, you're the pastor. Of course. But I believe this whether whether I was a pastor or not. Well, I will make sure that I get early to church. Because I am in awe and wonder of who Jesus is, and I do not want to miss a moment of praise and worship. This is not just a a, a moment of time in the service to get through the music so we can get to the preaching of the word. No, what do we do first? We praise and we worship because he's worthy. He's worthy, and I'm in awe. 
I am in awe of who he is, and I don't want to miss a moment. I don't want to miss a second of worshiping my king because he's worthy of my praise, and that is even, even, even more motivation for me as a dad. Well, I will make sure that I get here early with my kids. And church, I know it's difficult. There's been times in the morning trying to get my kids ready for school. I'm like, you're going barefoot. You won't put your shoes on. They're going in your backpack. That's your show and tell today. Just go. (laughs) I get it. But if there's one place that I make sure my family is early, because I want my kids to know As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the first thing that we do, the first thing that we do as a family, the first thing that we do as a church is we worship. And I want to show my kids, I want to show my kids how their mom and dad worships. I want to show my son and my daughters how, how we worship when life is good. And how we worship when life is a living hell. Because they know and I want to show them. I want to show them how we worship. Number two is this. We worship with our hands. How do we worship? We worship in reverence and in awe. And number two, we worship with our hands. Psalm 141, David says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. We know David is familiar with God's word. Now, God's word that he's familiar with is from Genesis to Deuteronomy. He doesn't have the full word of God like we have today, but we know David is familiar with the word of God, and we know, we know David knows God's preferences. And David shows us something about worship. Why do we lift our hands? Not only is it a physical human sign of surrender, but God likes it, and God prefers it. David reminds us how we worship. We lift our hands in surrender and as a sacrifice before our Savior. Now, here's the thing. In church, we take things out of context, and we can get legalistic about things. It's like, well, do I raise one hand? Do I raise two hands? Am I down here? Am I making pizza? (laughs) We get funny in church. Can I remind us? It is the the posture of your heart in raising your hands. Which leads me to the third way we worship, and I would suggest is the reason why some of us experience the tangible manifestation presence of God and some of us don't. This third aspect of worship, the band can come on up. How do we worship? Number one, in reverence and in awe. Number two, we, we use our hands. Number three, we worship with our glory. Psalm 57, verse 8, David says this interesting statement, Awake my glory, my harp and my lyre. Normally when we talk about glory, we're used to talking about the glory of God. And yet here we see David refer to his own glory, the glory that God has given him. There is a glory that God has given you. In in, in David's context, part of this glory was his ability and gift to play and make music. This word glory in the way that David is using it means weight, it means to carry weight, it means distinction, importance. Another way to say it is my my whole being. David is saying to God in this moment, 
God, I awaken the best part of me. Who I am to you and for you. I give you my very best. I'm going to be fully present. My energy and my focus and my gift, I engage as I worship with you. Have you ever been in worship and you shock yourself what you start thinking about? That's just me. Church is singing. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. And I've caught myself thinking about, man, I can't believe I missed that putt on hole number seven on Monday. And gosh, I hate three putting. I can't wait to go back and play that golf course again. And and then I catch myself, oh yeah, we're worshiping. Church is singing, kumbaya, my Lord. Thinking about an argument I had with my spouse. I'm like, man, I wish I would've thought of that comeback. I totally would've won that argument. <laughs> is it just me? How often I've been in worship, but, but, but I'm not in worship. How often I have been here, but I am, I am not here. And, and David shows us this, this practical truth that works in our human relations as well as with God. One of the greatest gifts we can give somebody is by being fully present. I give you my full attention, which is uncommon these days. It's just me and you. I put my phone down and you have all my energy and all my focus. And David shows us this aspect of worship that I would suggest many of us miss out on it and that is awakening his glory. God, I awaken my whole being. The very best part of me, God, I give you my energy. I give you my focus. I choose to gaze upon you. God, you have my focus, you have, you have my attention. God, it's just me and you. I, I choose to not go through the motions today in church. Even though I don't feel like it, God, I choose to focus on you. Here I am to worship you. And, and church, here it is. Here it is. When we worship in reverence and awe, and when we lift our hands and when we give God our glory, we get his glory. And I think, I think we have forgotten the power of his presence. I think we have forgotten how good the presence of God is. And church, I know what it is to worship casually. I know what it is to drift off in worship. I know what it is to, to go a whole music set list and not even realize that we were worshiping and I miss out on the glory of God. But I also know what it is to, to worship in awe and reverence and I know what it is to lift my hands even though I didn't think I had the strength to do so. I know what it is to give God my glory and I know what it is to experience the glory of God. Friend, do you know? Do you know what it is to experience the almighty presence of God? Not just a nice feeling in a church service, but the tangible presence of God. Oh, there is no substitute for the presence of God. I know what it is. 
to be in worship and hear from heaven. The perfect peace of God, the presence of God that is peace to my anxious soul, the, the, the perfect presence of God, the almighty presence of God that is healing to my sick bones, the almighty presence of God that is purpose to my doubt. I know what it is, and maybe you do too, when, when, I, am, when I am lost in worship. And I forget where I am. And it's just me and Jesus. I love worship because God speaks to me in worship. And I came to declare and I, I came to remind us, if you call Wave Church your home, that we will not be a church that forgets our primary function. And we will not be a church that gets lazy in our first job in worshiping Jesus. And we will not be a church that gives any rock in Hampton Roads the opportunity to cry out because we failed to praise our King. We will be a church that worships. We will be a church that worships in awe and reverence. We will be a church that lifts our hands. We will be a church that give God, gives God the very best of who we are. We will be a church that encounters the presence of Jesus. And if anybody walks into this place, the first thing they see, the first thing they see, is imperfect saints in awe of their king, worshiping Jesus. And I think, I think that some of us need to go back to our first job. How often I, I try to live this Christian life, I try to be the church, but I've stopped hammering the stake. First, we worship. 